When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A producer in Radio Werden told me once he'd been down in Kerry and uh, like a decent man was in having a, a jar in a local pub when the Walton programme came on and they were all listening and all enjoying it and uh, he finished when it was finished he said uh, well now he said uh, you all enjoyed that oh yes uh, have you any idea what Leo Maguire looks like and what age he is. This is only two years ago. And uh, the general opinion was that I was about six foot two or six foot three, and uh, in my early thirties. <laughs> God bless them, if they only knew. <laughs> my reactions to my own voice are that I sound rather stuffy, and rather pompous. It would have somebody else have listened to I say, well, that fellow was full of himself. And in actual fact, I'm not really. <laughs> there you are. It takes all kinds. But I'll tell you one uh, funny incident. I haven't seen this man around for a long time now, but uh, one very hot Saturday afternoon, uh, it was really hot and I threw off my jacket up in a room they called the study the most untidy room in the world and when I got out to Televisheren I realised I'd left my wallet in my uh, and I had in my identification thing you see and there was a new security man on the checkpoint and obviously an ex-policeman you know, a fine lump of a man, grand-looking fellow. And uh, I put up, and I asked him where I was going, but I said, look, uh, I'm very sorry, I left my jacket at home and everything in it, uh, including my identification card. And I said, I'm the I'm Leo Maguire, I'm the compere of the Walton programme. But he said, no, I'll tell you one thing. Nobody could fake that voice of yours. Go on in. I've been north and I've been south and I've been east and west. I've been just a rolling stone. Yet there's one place on this earth I've always liked the best. Just a little town I call my own. Ah. Uh. I wrote that again with the gun to my head. It was the very first hostel. That's a long time ago now. And Noel was asked by uh, Radio Erden to record a programme, and of course they wanted new material. And Noel came to Martin Walton, and Martin Walton came to me and said, would you write a few things for Noel? And I don't know what put into my head, except that Noel and I were born on the fringes of the Liberties, you know. And quite, I was very 
honest about the whole thing. I mean, I meant every word I wrote. That when I was in my early 20s, Grafton Street was Wonderland. I mean, it really was. You know, it was somewhere that when you got a glow, when you went there and went into Bewley's or Roberts and had a cup of coffee and met your friends, you know. And uh, I meant every word I wrote. And uh, I was fortunate enough to hit on a little tune that caught on, you know. And I think I wrote the whole thing in a little over an hour, you know, and uh, Noel was delighted. And of course, uh, I played it last Saturday and uh, my wife and I were listening to the programme and I said, you know, Noel was the ideal man for that job. And she said, I agree with you. I said, it's only struck me now that he had something of the quality of uh, Maurice Chevalier. You know, not a great voice, but every word crystal clear. It was uh, Parlando more than singing, you know, but he had that quality that Maurice Chevalier had. Every little breeze seems to whisper the words, you know, just barely breathing it, and every syllable coming up. There are diamonds in the lady's eyes and gold dust in her hair. And if you don't believe me, come and meet me there in Dublin on a sunny summer morning. Noel, of course is a man of infinite humour and uh, I wrote the song as you know in a hurry and uh, Walton's then had a place in Camden Street I met Noel and I played it over and sang it for him and he said lovely song, beautiful now I'll ask you one thing one little thing, I said what's that Noel put it in a drunken man's key <laughs> Noel is irrepressible he did a beautiful job of it. For Dublin can be heaven With coffee at eleven And a stroll in Stephen's Green No need to hurry No need to worry You're a king and the lady's a queen Grafton Street's a wonderland There's magic in the air there are diamonds in the lady's eyes and gold dust in her hair. And if you don't believe me, come and meet me there in Dublin on a sunny summer morning. I loved it as a tune, and uh, the words are dear to me. But uh, he wrote some very clever stuff too apart from the Dublin Sandra, because he wrote, um, he, 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 was, he is a great poet. I nearly said, I said was a great poet. Man, is still alive and kicking. But um, wrote a beautiful little thing called Pretty Polly. And it was a, a, a story of, of an old Jarvey. With a horse, the, the, the old mare, the, the old mare's getting bet. You know, the horse is getting bet, and we used to have the the, the old hackney car. 
the races and to an odd funeral. But uh, it was the the story between the old man that owned the mare and the um, the association between the two of us. The man who used to go up to feed him feed her at night time and then I'd have a chat with her. Poor old Polly, you know. We'll fix you for the night. You're a shaky as your master, God will bolt a holy fright. Let me bed you down the lana, and I'll leave you to your rest. For God's bear you to me, Polly. Sure, I always, I always loved you best. I nearly made a hames of that, you know. But there, that goes that way. And um, it was all through, uh, you know, all through a little sentiment between this old man and thing. But Leo was very good at that sort of stuff. He, he wrote another thing. I don't know whether he wrote especially for me or not, but while he was at it and wrote the Sandra and, and, and Polly, he also wrote The Man My Mother Married. That was another thing. And he put a bit of background music to it. And they made a record of it, you know. He's very, very clever. He's a very, very good musician. As a matter of fact, he's bl bloody brilliant. Oh, you're a brilliant man. Oh, has written all sorts of things. And, a good, uh, and, a, and, a, and, and as good at the Gaelic as the best of them. When it came to, the, when it came to uh, Gaelic, he wasn't behind the door. Of course, he was a brilliant man. He, uh, he, wa he was a civil servant, and way up in the sodality at that. You know, he was a, must have been a right one. But uh, he was a musician in his heart, and I think he had more music than uh, two and two was four and all that caper. But uh, he was, he was, I love him. That's to put it bluntly, I love him. Still do. Uh, well, I was born in the Liberties, in a very warm community, uh, in Watling Street, that's just on the edge of the Liberties, uh, which was then a thriving but rather failing community. It was based, their prosperity was based very largely on the leather trade, which had come down, of course, in the Vikings in that neighbourhood. And uh, the Germans had brought in quicker methods of tanning. The leather wasn't as good, but it was cheap. And that's trade all over the world. And uh, the trade gradually declined, but there was still a prosperous angle to it. There were two breweries, one at the top of the street, the Anchor Brewery, and of course Guinness's. Very large brewery, a distillery, Rose Distillery, and there was always plenty of employment. As I say, it was a warm community. The house I was born in has disappeared, gone. Uh, but uh, I am Dublin, of the Dubliners, you know, and uh, I love Dublin. And of course, nobody had very much money, but we were very happy. And then, uh, when I was possibly coming to 10 years of age, 
I was transferred from a very nice kindergarten school, uh, which cost nothing, it was a national school, uh, to the Irish Christian Brothers in Jabel Street. And God knows they hadn't much money to spare. But they always employed the best obtainable choral teacher. I mean, we had uh, several, you know, over the years, all first-class men who gave us a real feeling for singing. I'm afraid in an awful lot of schools today you don't get that. Now where they found the money, I don't know. They had no government grant. They existed on whatever small sum our parents could pay. And I'm afraid very often they were near starvation. But they did give us that. I can never thank them enough. Uh, then, subsequently, of course, when my voice broke, I was lucky enough to become a pupil of Dr. Vincent O'Brien, the man who taught John McCormack, you know? And uh, he was the man who persuaded me to go into opera at a fortnight's notice to take a part that somebody had dropped out of, and a very important part indeed, Colina in La Boheme. And uh, from that, I spent quite a number of years uh, singing in opera with the old Dublin Operatic Society, both here and in Cork and all over the place. You know, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> he wrote a sh he wrote a song for for, for uh, old Joe Lynch. You know Joe. You yes. heard it before, Joe. You know that oh. very funny fella <laughs> and a very talented man. Very talented. Still is. Very talented, could do anything. Play the tin whistle, sing, dance, or recite. Grand voice, grand speaking voice. Uh, Leo wrote a song for him called The Gypsy, The Whistling Gypsy, not The Gypsy Rover, The Whistling Gypsy. And it was a, it was a nice tune. And, you know, it was like uh, an old English magical sort of thing, you know. A gypsy rover came over the hill, down through the valley so shady. He whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. The gypsy rover came over the hill Down through the valley so shady He whistled and sang till the green woods rang And he won the heart of a lady Adi-do, adi-do, da-day Whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. She left her father's castle gate, she left her fair young lover, she left her servants and her state to follow the gypsy road. 
A father saddled up his fastest steed. He ranged the valleys all over. He sought his daughter at great speed, and the whistling gypsy rover. Adi do, adi do, na Adi do, adi dee. Whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. Her father came to a mansion fine down by the river, lady, and there was music and there was wine for the gypsy and his lady. No gypsy, my father dear, but lord of these lands all over. I'm going to stay till my dying day with my whistling gypsy rover. Adi do, adi do, da de, adi do, adi de de. He whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. Well, you see, it wasn't my first venture into um, sponsored radio. During and after the war, that's the last war, um, the hospital shots, hospital sweepstakes, they uh, ran a nightly uh, hours program discs and uh, at least one live program during the week and uh, i compared that alternate nights with the late jimmy henry god rest him and uh, that gave me some kind of idea what it was all about and of course then Martin Walton, who always has been a tremendous enthusiast for both Irish and Anglo-Irish ballads, uh, particularly Moore's melodies. Martin is an absolute repository of knowledge on Moore and his writings. And uh, he got this idea of a sponsored programme, you know? In 1950, when we... 51 when we started a sponsored program there was not an Irish song recorded they'd all been taken off the list nobody cared about them and the memory of men like Kevin Barry Pierce and all that was very much forgotten certainly as far as the musical circles were concerned anyway And it was my ambition to uh, start a sponsor program. And of course, the finance and all of that was uh, financing a sponsor program, and everything connected with it was a very difficult position, a very difficult task for me, and very dicey. So our ambition was to 
try to encourage the composition of new songs and the revival of old, old songs, whether they were in Gaelic or in the uh, English tongue. At the time, this is about 30 years ago, uh, there was a very tense situation in a little town called Baltonglass. Um, the sub-post office was run by two very, very nice, quiet ladies called Cook. And a local publican thought he'd like to have the sub-post office and applied for it. At the time, there was an inter-party government, what we now call coalition, and uh, a very decent man from that part of the world, Jim Everett, a Labour TD, was Minister for Post and Telegraphs. And Jim gave the go-ahead for this. And obviously, neither he nor anybody else knew, these two quiet ladies carried quite a lot of clout. Uh, they had been undercover agents for Michael Collins. Nobody knew that. In any case, this really led to a heave-up. And one night, Martin Walter said to me, look, son, this is a great bit of fun that's going on in Bolton Glass. Go home and write a song about it. Which I did. And uh, I wrote the song that night and early the next morning. And... Uh, it was printed that day. Uh, well, it was, the printing finished about two o'clock in the morning, and it was distributed in the Laerden early the next morning. Now, I recorded the thing, and uh, it was all a joke, you know. Peace to your spirit, Jim Everett. It was a joke, and nothing else. Uh, but in any case, um, Oh, I treated it very flippantly. The thing poor Jim uh, resented... Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, I wrote it under a pen name. I didn't want Leo Maguire being pilloried or put in the joy. Uh, <laughs> I wrote it under the uh, name Sylvester Gaffney, the name of a long-dead ancestor. And this was broadcast. And the thing that annoyed poor Jim Everett was a vile pun I made in the chorus. The chorus went, There were Bren guns and Sten guns and whippet tanks galore, the battle ranging back and forth from pub to general store. Between the vintner and the cook, the pot was quite upset, and the minister swore this Irish stew was the worst he ever had. <laughs> he didn't like that, actually, you <laughs> see. <laughs> but uh, in any case... There was murder in the Doyle the next week. Literal murder. And uh, the minister, of course, thought it a very mean thing of me to record the song, but if he could find Sylvester Gaffney, what he wouldn't do to him, you see. There was a, a journal in uh, England then which rather reveled in stories like this called John Bull. I don't think it's uh, published now, it's gone, but in any case, they sent a reporter over, Hotfoot. First he dashed down to Bolton Class, saw what was going on, then back to the publisher of the song and the record, Martin Walton. And of course, I was in on this, 
and he wanted to find Sylvester Gaffney. And night after night, I would come in and Martin Wallace would say, well, did you find Gaffney? No. Just fallen dead drunk on O'Connell Street and been arrested. And various things of this. And we described uh, Sylvester Gaffney as being a tall, thin, gaunt man of about six foot four in a long black overcoat and a slouch hat with a long beard, like Martin Walters, a picture of Martin's face. And in any case, this fellow went back and wrote the book, The Battle of Walton Glass, giving a detailed description of his conversations with Sylvester Gaffney, who didn't exist. <laughs> but the whole thing, it was really delicious. And, uh, well, it just petered out, you know. But Martin Walton swears to this day that it brought down the inter-party government. <laughs> the, <laughs> laughter, the laughter of the people <laughs> brought down the government. But even from the first programme we put on, we got telegrams from all over the country. People could not believe that anybody would take an interest in Harry Savage again. The country had gone mad, nearly as mad as it is today. Not quite, but nearly as mad as it is today. If your heart's sick and lonesome and you want to cry With thoughts all as gloomy as a winter sky Just to take my advice and put your best suit on And come to the Cayley down a Derry Ball For it's there you'll find music to your heart's desire A glass of good liquor and a seat beside the road and fire So come to the Cayley and weep no more Forget all your troubles as you pass the door Sure, the way won't be lonesome as we tramp along The long road will shorten with a cheery song You'll be foot light and lazy as a skipper fawn If you come to the Cayley down the Derry Bond Tis there you'll find music to your heart's desire A glass of good liquor and a seat beside the road fire So come to the Cayley and weep no more Forget all your troubles as you pass the door Colleagues to greet you with a smiling face To dance you till morning with a modest grace They'll be Cayley Lafayette and a Krushkin Lawn If you come to the Cayley down the Derry Bond For it's there you'll find music to your heart's desire A glass of good liquor and a seat beside the road and fire So come to the Cayley and weep no more Forget all your troubles as you pass the door I suppose there's something basic there. Uh, should I use the word atavistic? People remembering something they heard grandfather and grandmother singing when they were very small. And it brings them back. They like to hear it again. I get requests, you know, uh, for things. Now, only today I posted off um, a letter to a lady 
who wrote to me asking me, could I possibly write out the words of two songs? One very lovely song, Moore's Hassaro the Young Day Shaded, and the other was in Irish, Eamon O'Connick. And she said that she had sung them and knew them when she was very young, and she'd love to sing them again. So it gave me the greatest pleasure to write out the words and post them off to her this morning. You see, I think that's what the Walton programme means. You know, it's uh, a link with the past. The point is, I don't go along with what I'm hearing as a modern presentation of uh, traditional music. They distort rhythms. They've tried to combine uh, Irish traditional melody with country and western. And uh, I object violently to something that was composed by a blind fiddler or harper, somebody possibly sheltering on, under a hedge, to that being taken and distorted. If they want to distort something, let them write a tune of their own first and then distort that. But don't take a, a song, say, the Coolin, for instance, and pull it around and throw in a 4-4 a four, four bar in the middle of a 3-4 a movement, as they do. They just prolong notes and destroy what they don't understand. I'm all for tradition, completely frozen, like a mammoth in the ice. It's come down to us, and I wanted to stay that way. I mean, a thing is there, it's a precious thing, then keep it. Don't pull it around. Don't pull down a Georgian mansion. Don't finish wrecking a Norman castle. I mean, leave them. They're part of our heritage. That's the way I feel about it. Possibly I'm crackers, but <laughs> there you are. Unfortunately, um, for a while, when we started, nobody gave two hoots about traditional music. It was corny, it was antiquated, it was something to throw to a dog. But then, uh, after a number of years, other people came along and uh, it was coarsened, very much coarsened. It became uh, overloaded with a very spurious Dublin accent. You know, the kind of, uh, this kind of thing, you know, which rather hurt me because I am Dublin of the Dublin, born in the Liberties. And I never heard that kind of accent when I was young. I mean, it just wasn't there. If your heart is an anchor, you will lose it there. Tomorrow, arriving with a nut brown hair, you'll be footsore but happy by the crack of dawn. If you come to the Cayley down the Derry barn, 
For it's there you'll find music to your heart's desire A glass of good liquor and a seat beside the road and fire So come to the Cayley and you'll weep no more Forget all your troubles as you pass the door well, You were asking me about my songs. I've written an awful lot of them. And you were asking me if I had a favourite. And I suppose... Uh, a mother loves the weakling, <laughs> you know. And there was a little song I wrote for the late Joseph McNally that never really got anywhere. It had a moderate success in America, meant nothing over here. But I rather liked it. Simple little song. And it's so long ago now I've had to write down the words of a verse. I called it By the Light of the Moon. And Joseph McNally sang it beautifully. Someday I'll go back to the vale I was born in, to walk once again by the waters so clear, or wander at morn through the green springing corn, in that one place on earth that I'll always hold dear. Each streamlet and hill holds a charm for me still, Tis sighing I'll be night and noon Until I go back to the vale of Avoca To walk once again by the light of the moon Now I'm a very old man with a very heavy cold So that's the best I can do But uh, I always liked that little song But as I say, it never got anywhere And there were some songs that I thought were awful and they got by. But there you are. You're never the best judge of your own work. <laughs> oh yes, if you feel like singing, do sing an Irish song. But there's quite an interesting story. Um, the late John McCann, God rest him, the playwright, who was a great friend of mine, met me one morning, bubbling with excitement. He said, Leo, I have a terrific story to tell you. Um, I came home the other day and I said to the wife, I met Martin Walton this morning, had a great old chat, and John's young son, I think it was Donald who was the actor, <laughs> Donald McCann, uh, I believe it was Donald, uh, said, Dad, you couldn't be to have been talking to Martin Walton. I said, why couldn't I? Martin Walton is dead. He said, he is not dead, I was talking to him this morning. But he says, Leo Maguire says every Saturday, and Walton's last words were, if you feel like singing, do sing an Irish song. <laughs> oh, I'm going to miss it very, very badly. Uh, but I have a, a vague hope that maybe the Office of Public Works might take me over as a national monument and preserve me with a stipend, of course. <laughs> you know, a few bob. <laughs> but uh, kind of a vague hope. But... Uh, Oh, I've enjoyed it all. And times change, and we must change with them. Uh, I'd like to thank all the many, many friends I made, not alone in Ireland, but in Great Britain, and even as far down as the City Islands. Um, I was always very pleased indeed to play the requests, and I was quite intrigued by the choices they made. They loved the old songs. I suppose, you know, early connections, thinking back on what they heard as children. But it always gave me a thrill to 
address a few words to these people, and I want to thank them all, and uh, hope that by some miracle uh, you'll be hearing my voice now and again, in some shape or form. God bless you all, and may I wish you all many, many Happy New Year's. I've been north and I've been south and I've been east and west. I've been just a rolling stone. Yet there's one place on this earth I've always liked the best. Just a little town I call my own. Don't think it would be possible to find a character like the old guy. His Gaelic was perfect. His knowledge of Irish music was perfect. His background from his father being a 1916 man, and he hadn't seen you know, having great memories of the period, and his character. You'd find it very hard to get anybody like him. I don't think you could know Leo Maguire without becoming a friend of his. He's a most sincere man. Good sense of humour. Everything that, that you'd like about a man, you'd find it in Leo Maguire. I've been here and I've been there. I've sought the rainbow's end. But no crock of gold I found. Now why ah, that come what will it'll be a very, very different place without the Walton program and Leo Maguire. I'm so used to it. And I listen. Whenever I'm free, I listen to, to the Walton program. And to me, it'll be the end of an era. And I'm sorry that we will miss them on a Saturday. Because, son, it won't be the same without Leo and the Walton program. In Dublin on a sunny summer morning. For Dublin can be heaven with coffee at eleven and a stroll in Stephen's Green. No need to hurry, no need to worry, you're a king and the lady's a queen. Grafton Street's a wonderland, there's magic in the air. There are diamonds in the lady's eyes and gold dust in her hair. And if you don't believe me, come and meet me there in Dublin on a sunny summer morning. <laughs>